Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dr. Usher Weighs In. This is the podcast where we shed light on healthcare expenses, obesity, what works in healthcare, and why. Today, we're going to talk about the value of primary care. Why doesn't every employer in the United States offer healthcare the reform medicine way? Uh, it just astounds me that they don't, but I think they're figuring it out. Our guest today has <clears throat> 30 years of experience uh, as a board-certified family doctor and 19 years of experience as a bariatrician and obesity medicine specialist. Uh, he had his formational years uh, doing pre-medicine at a Jesuit Catholic university called Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. He went to medical school at the University of Iowa College of Medicine. He did his postdoctoral residency work in family medicine in Fayetteville, North Carolina, uh, in a Duke University affiliated program there. Uh, during his medical training, he spent four full summers uh, working in a poverty stricken, uh, primitive type of area in the rural Dominican Republic where there's no flush, no running water and no electricity. And uh, after residency, went to work for the Native Association uh, and flying around the village to the villages of Kodiak, Alaska, practicing uh, medicine there. Uh, after living in Kodiak for two years, he moved to Eau Claire and began his own practice, began to practice in 1999. That time he joined the Middleford Clinic, which later became known as the Mayo Clinic Health System. And um, during his uh, time there at uh, the Middleford Mayo organization, he had not only uh, experience, but training in Six Sigma techniques, lean management, customer service, uh, uh, customer service development, uh, business development. Uh, he became the chair of his 18 provider family medicine department and served for about seven years as the medical director for their weight management services. In 2000 year, 2011, he made an entrepreneurial move, uh, launched a low price, transparently, transparently priced cash practice, uh, shunning the insurance uh, world and the costs associated with that, and has been doing family practice and medical weight loss in that space since then. He started with uh, himself and one medical assistant. And in 2013, uh, he entered the employer healthcare space and has been working with employers. He's grown from one employer to over 20 local and regional employers in the Chippewa Valley area. Uh, now has nine, nine providers, five locations, and uh, 35 total providers and staff. And they have uh, his practice has seen uh, tens of thousands of patients. They currently have about 5,000 patients or more uh, in the employer model. Our guest has been recognized as a pioneer for his practice's unique combination of direct care contracting uh, with employers, world-class medical weight loss outcomes. They follow over 350 patients per month for obesity specifically and they have remained true to their lower cost, transparently priced pay-as-you-go or fee-for-service family medicine and medical weight loss offering. 
to anyone who cares to engage in that model uh, for higher value, transparently priced care. This year, celebrating 12 years of success, literally saving patients and employers tens of millions of dollars. And here to share some of his insights and experience today is Dr. Dave Usher. Well, thank you, thank you. That was a very nice introdu introduction. Um, I hope that uh, if you have not tuned into our podcast before, you will um, appreciate uh, that I'm trying to reintroduce myself to you all and uh, give you a little sense of background and how I got to be here uh, speaking in, in this format for folks I hope to uh, learn a little bit from and uh, get a little appreciation for uh, various issues in healthcare, mostly related to access and expense, uh, as well as uh, we talk about uh, the scourge of obesity from time to time. Today, we are going to focus in on uh, the value of primary care and why doesn't every employer uh, do healthcare the reform medicine way? I hear from patients all the time, still do. Um, in our practice that they have been going to the big system healthcare, they can't figure out what in the heck anything's gonna cost. Uh, when, they, when they do call, they have trouble getting in in a timely fashion. When they do get in, they feel like they've been rushed through the visit. Uh, they come out kind of feeling like a number, uh, like all that anybody wanted to do was get them in, order some tests, refer them out to a specialist. Um, and very often when they try to get into a primary care office, they're referred to urgent care because there's just no appointments available for, for a long time. So this is this is just the state of things, right? This is this is how healthcare has been under the, the third party payment structure. Well, how, where did healthcare go wrong? How did how did we get to this? Well, it's an interesting uh, this is my uh, historical perspective uh, that I have talked about for a long time. It's the story as I tell it, um, and I, I don't think it's far off. Uh, but basically, healthcare became, uh, started going off the tracks, let's say, when it started becoming a third-party payment system. Um, a lot of good things have happened uh, in healthcare, but a lot of things have gone uh, awry in healthcare uh, since that time. Uh, you can go back to World War II when wages were frozen and uh, health benefits were allowed to be implemented. Health insurance could be purchased by an employer as a tax deductible uh, thing without having to raise wages uh, for employees. Uh, that at that time, uh, as I understand it, it was primarily hospital insurance, those those big expenses that you couldn't see coming. Um, and over time, what's happened is hospital insurance be, has become outpatient um, office visit insurance coverage and drug coverage. And so things that we've expanded, kind of what we expect our third-party payers to take care of, that is insurance companies problem with all this is that it's really the most inefficient way to manage cost in a in a system that is to say you take uh, a consumer who uh, is uh, and have a bucket of money that the consumer doesn't see as his own it's somebody else's money uh, to pay somebody who's not the consumer so it takes the consumer out of 
out of the price picture. And as you all probably have appreciated, it's very tough to know uh, what anything's going to cost, right? So if your perception is that you're spending somebody else's money, you really don't care what the cost is. And that is just kind of the way things have gotten with the third-party payment structure. My insurance is good. I have good insurance. I've heard that a million times. And um, what employers don't realize is that really uh, employees, patients who work for a living, for example, don't realize is that that insurance is paid for with money that otherwise could have been in their salary, but because they chose to be on the health plan, that money's taken out of their salary and they really are spending their own money, but they don't see it that way. So um, someone else in government or the insurance company, um, both of which really benefit in a way uh, when, when the um, more money is spent in healthcare, the insurance company makes more profits and government increases its uh, really control over us, um, uh, but it has to expand its own power, let's say, or administrative state or bureaucracy and so forth. Um, so someone else is benefiting basically the more money we spend. So as I mentioned, Medicare, when it first came out in the 60s, was was basically hospital insurance. It was aimed at um, taking care of elderly people, people who had outlived their life expectancy, which at that time was 65 years old, uh, to keep them from becoming destitute due to hospital bills. So if, if a person got hospitalized, uh, Medicare would step up and pay basically 100% of those bills for people over age 65. Uh, what they didn't do at that time was build in any kind of age um, adjuster, right? As the uh, life expectancy increased over time, uh, we didn't adjust when Medicare would uh, start to kick in. So people would have become uh, reliant on Medicare. They plan their retirement around Medicare. They say, when I turn 65, I'm going to get on Medicare. Um, they may be really, really healthy, uh, and have done a good job of keeping, keeping themselves healthy and so forth. Uh, but the point is uh, that program as life expectancy has grown, the number of people on Medicare has grown. Um, that program has become incredibly expensive. And uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, political and otherwise, um, Medicare has expanded. Now, not only does it cover uh, hospital insurance or what we call part A, of Medicare, but also became a there, uh, there became a, a Part B offering where people could pay a little more and they would get coverage for outpatient type of uh, uh, services such as office visits and so forth. Uh, along came the George W. Bush uh, administration and Medicare Part D was introduced and Part D was uh, prescription drug coverage in some form or another. So as a result of government spending money on these various um, hospitalizations and outpatient procedures and so forth, uh, the there's been an explosion in medical specialty care. Uh, medical residencies are paid through Medicare, specialty uh, procedures and so forth. <clears throat> Initially those done in the hospital, but then uh, those done as outpatients would all get reimbursed for Medicare. And so uh, it was kind of guaranteed money for hospitals to begin to offer uh, these things. And even now, uh, there's an emphasis on doing new things, new services uh, that 
Medicare tends to pay for more readily than uh, things that have been out uh, for a while. As a result of all of this, there's just been this unsustainable price increasing. Um, price increases over time. Uh, things have been accelerating. Um, the Obama administration and others, but in the Obama administration, they uh, tried to tinker with the marketplace a little bit with what we uh, know as uh, Obamacare or the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, or ACA is another name for it, <clears throat> which really uh, required, originally required everybody in the country to buy health insurance, uh, whether or not they wanted it. Um, employers had to buy it if they had over 50 people, uh, full-time employees, and individuals were mandated initially uh, to purchase health care uh, or pay a tax. And um, so uh, under the Trump administration, they managed to roll back the individual mandate, but employers are still forced to buy health insurance for their people, whether or not they want to, uh, if they have more than 50 full-time equivalent uh, people. So the law of supply and demand just says when you force people to buy things and enter into a market and increase the demand for something, the prices will necessarily go up, and they have. Uh, my own health insurance 12 years ago when we started was about $500 a month, and now it's up over $2,600 a month uh, without anybody in my family getting terribly sick. Uh, it just naturally has gone up over time uh, because of, of those uh, market forces from the, the uh but basically the mandated uh, purchasing of health insurance. So of course, deductibles go up and um, deductibles being those, that amount of money that people have to pay out of their pocket before their insurance will pay anything for them. Um, the exception to that is preventive care. So if you come in for a, a wellness physical once a year, your insurance will cover that. Um, uh, but basically everything else is, is coming out of your pocket. So people paying higher premiums, employers pay higher premiums, they pass along part of that cost to their employees, they're paying more out of their paychecks for their insurance, and their deductibles have gone up, some of them are as high as um, $7,500 or $8,000 when people are in network, um, and I've seen higher when people are out of network. So what's happened as a result of that uh, is that uh, people have started to avoid healthcare. They know that they are they can't see the prices. Uh, they feel like people are getting like like providers are uh, ordering things and referring them for things uh, in a way that maybe they don't really need. Uh, but that's just the status of things. So they just don't go in at all. It's a it's a really distrustful situation. Um, and what that's led to is sicker populations of patients. Patients wait longer to go in for something, and uh, conditions get more out of control before they actually show up uh, in a doctor's office. Uh, we've also seen uh, an increase in the obesity rate uh, for other reasons, um, probably not related to uh, in healthcare cost, uh, but that's been going on alongside of this. Uh, accelerating cost problem is an accelerating obesity problem. And what we've seen is actually a, a decrease in life expectancy for the first time ever. 
Uh, so uh, that has occurred just in the last decade or so. Uh, we've seen pharmacology or drugs become a bigger and bigger percentage of healthcare spend, maybe up to 20% of all of the healthcare expenses now are related to uh, pharmacy items. So employers are spending incredible amounts of money on, on health plans. It's the second largest line item for many employers. We hear that over and over when we have conversations with employers uh, about their health plans. And um, what that's doing really is pulling money out of the economic development of their organizations, whether they're government organizations or for-profit organizations, um, that all of that money that's going being funneled into healthcare, which is 20 or 21 percent of the economy, uh, is is pulling money out of what they would otherwise do as their core business. So, um, during that time. Over, over these years, because of Medicare and the complexity related to that and the way insurances have, have worked, uh, healthcare systems have figured out that their, their um, strategically, uh, they need to keep people coming to their hospitals and into their multi-specialty clinics in order to stay viable. And with insurance, the way it's gone and trying to... Um, create networks and compete with one another. Um, what that means is that they need to have a reliable source of, of patient flow. And so hospital systems and big clinics have begun, began years ago, decades ago, buying up primary care practices or family practice offices, for example, or pediatric offices or internal medicine offices. And bringing those doctors and their, and their clinics on board with the big system uh, provides a, uh, easy, reliable way for, for those doctors working in the system to just simply refer into the system to get things done. Um, and sometimes we as primary care doctors might refer out of the system, but it's very easy and convenient to refer within the system. Uh, and so that just kind of is the way uh, things have evolved. What's interesting is over those all these past 20 years or so, or 30 uh, or 40, uh, the average income of physicians has not gone up any more than the average income of the rest of the population. It's just kind of slowly uh, ticked up over time, but at about the same rate that anybody else in in um, uh, the average, let's say the average uh, wage increase has gone up over time. What has really exploded, however, um, multiple times over that rate of increase has been the amount of money we spend in healthcare administration. Um, insurance company CEOs, hospital CEOs and administrators, vice presidents and so forth. Um, some of these people are making millions of dollars every year in salary and compensation um, to run these organizations. And um, none of that money is going necessarily to doctors at any faster rate than it ever did, or nurses, or staff. So um, we have, all of that money hasn't gone into care. It's gone into the business side of healthcare and insurance. So, so what's happened as a result of that is 80% of personal bankruptcies in the United States is basically due to medical debt. 
uh, almost half the people, adults in this country in 2022, uh, 46% of adults surveyed admitted that they had delayed or avoided care due to a fear of the cost of that care. Um, they knew they had a problem, uh, but they put off going or didn't go at all uh, because of that fear of cost. 30% um, of people who have insurance, who have some sort of uh, employer coverage, for example, um, are insured, but they won't go to doctors for the same reason. They're effectively medically homeless. They just don't go. Uh, and so that's not what was intended with Medicare or health insurance or Medicaid, um, that we would have a system uh, so convoluted or so expensive that people actually, the population at large would actually, almost half of them put off uh, seeking care due to the cost and the transparency or the lack of transparency. So, there's a lot of that's a lot of negative, right? We've got a lot of great therapies, we've got a lot of great treatments, surgeries have gotten better and better. Um, but unlike the rest of the marketplace in the world, as things get better and we get better at it, nothing ever gets cheaper. Right? I can buy an 85-inch TV now for for less than I spent on the 27-inch TV I bought 20 years ago. Um, why is that? I'm obviously I'm getting a huge amount of value. And the reason is because I have to buy it myself and the market dictates, free market will dictate that prices will get better for similar technology over time uh, because other things will come along and drive those prices down. In healthcare, that has just not happened um, uh, across the spectrum of healthcare. There are pockets where that uh, has occurred and, and we know this. So, uh, so despite all that doom and gloom, this really is a problem that's been solved, right, by by the free market. Um, people just don't know much about that yet, but they're beginning to catch on. Um, when we get to uh, our next podcast, basically, we're going to talk about how some of these basic understandings um, needed by who, some of the basic understandings that employers need uh, to begin to take back control of their healthcare spend, allow for uh, better business financial performance, provide a health for a healthier family of employees, improve their recruitment and retention um, of those same valuable employees, and overall strategically position themselves in a better place uh, in the market. Um, we're going to talk about what some of those key things are that they need to know in order to be able to uh, get there and really solve their healthcare woes. As their second largest line item in their budget, um, so many employers are, are uh, saddled with huge healthcare expenses. Their health plan is, uh, in some businesses, literally killing them. Um, and they, they're downsizing or shrinking instead of growing. And that is a problem that can be solved. It has been solved. And there's lots and lots and lots of examples of this. Um, uh, some regionally, some within the state of Wisconsin, some nationwide. So uh, we know it can be fixed. In our next podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And um, and I hope that you'll find that helpful. 
So that's going to be a, we're going to wrap this uh, podcast up today. I thank you for tuning in with us at uh, Dr. Usher Ways In. And I'll, I'll uh, look forward to uh, chatting with you more in our future podcasts.